Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 67. Uh, you got Chris and Brian. Um, this time around, we're going to talk about some things we've overheard at the gun counter um, regarding newer shooters and honestly some some more experienced shooters but buying defense, modern defensive handguns um, for the first time in a long time. Uh, so we're just going to kind of get on into it. Absolutely. Um, guys, we're going we're gonna to start off with something that, you know, that if you know us, you know that good sights on a defensive firearm are near and dear to our heart. Um, you know, Brian and I own other guns besides Glocks, but generally we carry Glocks the majority of the time as our personal defensive handguns. Um, and so there's this reality check. Um, we both acknowledge that Glocks come with crap sights that, you know, the plastic sights that come on them, you need to knock off and get rid of those sights. The dovetail protectors? Yeah, the dovetail protectors, um, the, the front hole protector. Um, you need to get rid of those sights and put good sights on the gun or buy a Glock that comes with the Ameriglows with the, with the orange ring of death front or orange donut of death, however you want to look at it. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that we've run into with newer folks coming in that have gotten advice from old Uncle Jed, you know, who served in the NOM. Um, and, and old Uncle Jed, man, you need, you need, you know, you need stuff and things on your guns because things and stuff, because back to Kong will get you if you don't have your things on dang old man, I'll tell you what now. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to let Brian lead off with why the Orange Ring of Death is really a solid option. Yeah, so the, the Ameriglow front sights, um, and the Trigicon for the XD or the XD HRs, or I'm sorry, XRs, uh, have what we call the Orange Ring of Death um, on the SIG uh, pistols, like the 365 XL or the 365. They've got the Green Ring of Death. Um, with that, basically, it's a color that's not found in nature, so it draws your eye to it and it helps keep your eye focused. Um, on that front sight, which is what you need to be looking at to make accurate pistol shots um, versus focusing on the rear sight or focusing on the target. Um, shooting a pistol with iron sights is very important um, because we have the three focal planes to focus on that front sight. You're going to be able to put that front sight in between the rear sight, um, in between the notches in the rear, which will be a little blurry. And then your target may be a little blurry as well, depending on the distance. Um, but if your eye is locked on that front sight, um, you can pretty much be guaranteed the bullets are going to go where they need to, um, provided you do the right work with the trigger. Absolutely. You know, we, we talk about, you know, what, what a proper sight picture looks like, what proper sight alignment looks like with the sights in relationship to the target. Um, but when that front sight stands out like a sore thumb, it, it really does guide the process along and makes it significantly more intuitive. Uh, can you screw it up? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We watched that Monday night a little bit, um, you know, with some of our tribe running some drills at a little further distance, especially one hand shooting. You start slapping the trigger, then go sideways quick. But the reality check is it, being able to see your sights matters. Um, you know, for me, at, at my advanced age, um, I'm getting to a point now, and actually it hit me three or four years ago where I was having a lot of difficulty seeing even like excess big dots. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second too, where I was having trouble seeing certain sights um, and, and had a, a friend of ours, uh, I don't know if you guys follow, um, Captain Gimley, um, handed me a gun with an orange front sight on it. And it was, it was, you know, the heavens opened up, the light shined down, the angels sang. Um, it was a wonderful thing. Um, so throwing that out there, uh, the other thing that does for you, you'll hear the people, the guys out there who say, 
If you get in a gunfight, you'll never even see your sights. Well, and that may be true if your gunfight happens inside of three to five feet, where a lot of them do, there may not be a necessity for you to see your sights, especially if you're punching the gun into somebody's ribs, backing off enough that it won't lock up, and then pressing the trigger. Um, the reality check is if it's at an intermediate distance where you want to get the gun up in front of you, having a front sight that's highly visible versus a blacked out front sight, a blacked out rear sight in the dark that you don't have a chance in hell of seeing, um, is, is suboptimal. So, you know, let's, let's talk about the realities of even if, even with the adrenaline dump, you don't even see your front side. Uh, okay, cool. Maybe you didn't, but you know, maybe if I train enough, I will. And if I have a high vis front sight and it happens to pop up and go, Hey, your bullet's going to go here on the bad guy. That would be a wonderful thing. Uh, gives me one less thing to worry about. All I have to worry about now is not mashing the trigger under adrenaline dump. So, you know, let's, let's take those things into consideration as we look at this. Um, one, one other point on the, the orange ring of death or the green ring of death, uh, the paint that's used to do that on the front sight is highly reflective, so it actually works really well in a parking lot type environment um, where you get some overhead light, mm -hmm. a little bit of ambient light, but it's not full daylight. Yeah. Um, to where you know the tritium vials in the night sights aren't really able to act. They're activated, obviously, because they're activated all the time. But it's not dark enough where your eyes able to pick up those illuminating dots. Yeah. Um, but you will be able to find that that um, the orange ring of death. And if you've you know if, if you're a hunter or you're somebody who's not necessarily into this, but you think about um, if you've driven down a country road in the fall and you see um, that blob of orange on a hillside far away and go, wow, I wonder what the hell that is. That's a hunter wearing that same bright orange vest or bright orange hat, trying not to get shot by his buddies. Um, that, that color, it, there's something about that color that just, it pops. You really do see it, especially in odd or slightly off lighting conditions. It does a wonderful job. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons that we say, Hey, this is something you might consider. Um, you know, along with sites, we're going to talk about some non-standard sighting systems that have popped up here recently, um, that we have people coming in and, and looking for. Um, I, I want to lead off with Sig Sauer on the P365 SAS. Um, without even discussing where we're at with Sig Sauer right now, just talking about specifically the little fiber optic contraption that comes on the gun. Um, it, it, those of you who are gun nerds, if you go back maybe 20 years, um, there were some shotgun sights out there that were unitized little shotgun sights you could put on the rail of a gun that had a, a fiber optic component to them that when you shouldered the gun and cheeked the gun appropriately, if it fit you, um, basically, a, a little bead would basically light up inside this thing from a fiber optic perspective, and, and you could use it as a sighting system that was supposedly easier than lining up a couple of beads on the shotgun or something along those lines. Um, Sig Sauer has taken this, this scheme of sight and modified it and put it into the back of their SAS guns, um, in, well, their P365 SAS anyway, uh, put it into that gun. Um, while hey, it is... Just to... Just to eliminate some confusion the SAS in this in this instance refers to the SIG anti-snag system it does not refer to the British Special Air Service yeah you don't need to know what color the boathouse is at Hereford to carry that gun uh, matter of fact you don't even know need to know what Hereford is probably to carry that gun anyway um, the so this little sighting system on, on a shotgun this was an interesting device because it allowed you with a shotgun you've got four points of contact on the weapon um, so you've got a lot better kinesthetic knowledge of where the gun is or a lot better proprioceptive knowledge of where the gun is because your left hand, your right hand, your shoulder, and your cheek are all telling you. Uh, in a handgun, you've got two handguns on the gun in essentially the same place. 
And in this case, on a super small, almost round-handled gun that doesn't give you a ton of index for where the gun's pointing. It doesn't give you a ton of grip reference to get the gun directed where you want it. So it's a gun that requires some practice to use well. Um, the sighting system, if it's not lined up properly, you can't see it. Um, you also don't have any visual cues like, hey, the front end of the gun's misaligned with the rear end of the gun when you're in the dark because in the dark you can't see it. Um, if you were in the dark with standard night sights, you'd have a dot on the front of the gun and you'd have rear sights glowing telling you, hey, your stuff's not aligned. With this device, you just simply can't see it. Um, so having said all this, might it, be a good, might it be a good sighting choice for somebody with good visual acuity um, who's going to practice a metric butt ton with that gun and get, get good kinesthetic reference or good muscle memory as they draw the gun? Um, maybe it, it might actually work for that person, but the reality check is when you start drawing the gun under duress from odd positions, maybe someone just cracked you over the hill with a two by four and now you're laying on the ground trying to get your gun out while you're on top of your gun. Um, things don't always work out the way we plan like they do on the range. And this site concerns me from that perspective. Um, I don't have any, I don't know about the durability of it. I don't know about any other thing involving it. Um, but if you're a new shooter and you're trying to draw this thing and get it lined up, I've had a number of new folks who you say, yeah, here's how you hold a firearm. Um, you know, I know this is your first time buying a gun and you probably voted for Obama twice, but here's how you hold a firearm. They're not icky. Uh, this is how you align the gun, you know, with the bone structure in your wrist and your forearm. And they bring up the SAS and they look down the top of it and they can't find that little glowy thingy inside of it without futzing around with it for a minute versus, hey, put this bumpy thing on the front of the gun and this notchy thing on the back of the gun and everything seems to work out. So um, I'm not anti, I just think it's it's an odd enough setup that I'd be curious if anybody else had some input as to why it might be a better mousetrap because it doesn't seem like it at this point. Yeah. On top of that, we have had a number of experienced shooters buy the S, a couple buy the SAS guns and then come back in and they're asking, hey, does a dot optic fit in this slot uh, because I don't like this sight. So, you know, some of these guys are pretty experienced shooters, um, maybe not professional end users, but folks who have time behind guns. Um, and some of them, you know, prior service military dudes, et cetera, so they've experienced different sighting systems, um, and they're not really digging that, And nor am I, but the people want what they want. So um, uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, so the other um, thing that, you know, iron, iron sights on pistols or a red dot sight on pistol, and we'll get to red dots in a little bit, um, but having a especially metal iron sights um, give you is an up is an ability to run the weapon with one hand. Yeah, because you can use those sights or that red dot chassis um, to rack the slide off of your belt, your shoe, a table, a car, um, the bad guy's skull, um, basically any object that you can get leverage um, on the slide. You can you can use the rear sight and use the the edge of the rear sight to run the slide with one hand, which is very important if you need to fix a malfunction or reload the gun when your other hand um, is no longer working. Or occupied. Um, yeah, or occupied. Uh, with the SIG, um, that SAS system, the top of the gun is completely smooth, so there really isn't anything to get a hold of um, as far as like using the slide against another object other than to use that, that gun with two hands. Yeah, injured shooter stuff with that gun I, I would I would be very interesting in a really bad way, I think. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, like I said, you know, and if you, if you guys know us, you know that, you know, we've had some hiccups with SIG here over the last year or two. Um, we're trying to be objective and throw this out there. It's just one of those curious things, again, more along the lines of 
new people involved in guns or, or getting your tribe squared away and somebody thinks this little widget is going to be a problem solver for them, it's, it's probably going to create more problems than it solves. Um, I'm going to go on to another option on sites um, that, that also maybe its time has passed a little bit with the orange ring of death. And I'm not going to say that this isn't a viable option like the illuminated site on the SIG, um, but excess big dot sites. Um, excess big dot sites probably have a place somewhere. Um, and I'm not anti big dot sites because it does give you a front and rear reference to the gun. They do come with tritium front and rear. Um, what, what the excess requires though, and if those of you who know me know that I ran excess sites for nearly a decade, um, the, the, the front site is the, is the golf ball of death. It is a great big white dot out there. Um, it, it's a shallow rear notch. It, it is something that is really quick to line up. It's relatively intuitive to line up in the daylight. Uh, when you go to the tritium aspect of it, it requires a little more knowledge, um, only because the tritium is right in the middle of the big go golf ball of death versus, you know, taking up the whole thing. So you maybe have some, some vertical alignment issues or elevation issues there, but really those don't come into play at common gunfight distances. Um, that 21 feet and in, if, if the dot's on top of the bar, you're good to go. Um, within reason. So, um, the thing with the excess big dot sights is in daylight. Or, or if you need to place a very precise shot, they're very imprecisely designed because they're designed to be good enough really fast versus perfect um, in any other situation. So, and definitely not that you couldn't make hits with them at distance or make precise hits, but you have to know your holdovers. You have to know what part of the site you're using to aim with. You there's a lot of stuff you have to know. And I'm going to say that that particular site is probably somebody who gets it, for somebody who gets to spend a fair amount of time on the range confirming what it is they know. Um, you know, I was able to make hits on poppers at 100 yards, no big deal, or on plates at 100 yards, no big deal, until I stopped using them every day. And then all of a sudden, it became a whole lot more work to make them work. So um, not anti-excess sights, um, especially on a gun that really is truly intended for close range work. Uh, it's just, I, we, I still, have, I've transitioned everything from excess big dot sights over to the orange ring of death or to a dot optic, um, because it, it, to me, it seems like a better mousetrap. So just to throw that out there. Um, do we want to hit on red dots while we're right here? Yeah. Yeah. So the red dot, um, I'm not, there's not going to be a training session on how to get into using one. Um, it is going to be advice to you that some of the best trainers out there right now are starting to put dot optics on their guns to train new shooters with because your sight picture is a dot. Your sight alignment is putting the dot where you want the bullet to go and shooting the gun is pressing the trigger without moving the dot off of where you want it to go. Um, you really literally could not make things simpler other than by doing just that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of wisdom now. If you're a new shooter and there's always been this where you got to learn your irons first, you got to earn that dot. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, if I'm going to take a new shooter out, I want to give them confidence right off the bat. I want to show them that, hey, you can hit stuff. Um, put this dot on that target where you want the bullet to go. Press the trigger straight to the rear and don't move the dot. Um, I can teach them the slightly more complicated concept of sight picture and sight alignment down the road. Um, but the red dot allows me to be target focused. Um, the red dot gives me a large surface on the back of the gun like Brian was talking about for injured shooter weapon manipulation. Um, there's really not much that it doesn't do as long as you buy a good quality red dot optic that will tolerate the abuse of a carry handgun or a duty handgun. Um, and then understand it's a consumable item. You're probably going to beat the crap out of it and have to replace it every couple years. Um, that's just life. So, yeah. One of the other things, and this is quoting Mike Pannone um, from CTT Solutions, 
running the red dot on the pistol teaches your brain to see a lot more visual information and how to process that visual information. And uh, in, in shooting a red dot and getting good with the red dot actually makes you a better iron sight shooter as well. Yeah, and that from, a, from a situational awareness standpoint, if you're tunneled in on the front sight trying to get it in the middle of the bad guy and keep it clear and make shots, almost by definition, you're not looking around the bad guy to see if there's anything else around the bad guy that needs service because you've got to be focused on that front sight and it's got to be crystal clear. Physiologically, the human eye can only focus on one distance at a time. Um, and, and the majority of instructors are going to tell you that's got to be on the front sight. Um, I, I would also allow for the fact that maybe there's a little bit of room to fudge there depending on the distance of the target, the amount of precision needed, and the amount of time you have. Uh, but those are all kind of esoteric things, so we won't get into that right now. Um, the reality is red dots rule. Um, I'm, I, I've been running one now for, I think, probably pushing a year and a half, maybe almost two years. Almost two years. Yeah, and, and I, I, if I can help it, I won't have a carry gun without one. Um, I've got another one of our, our peers here who is a law enforcement officer, um, he, SRT commander, and in, even on his small off-duty carry guns, he's gotten into putting the dot on him because, like me, he's 50-ish, um, and, and seeing the front sight is some work. It's not that it can't be done. It's not that we can't shoot without the dot, but it's just so much easier. Why, why would you? So I'll leave that. Yeah. Yeah, I would say especially if you're in that age bracket where – you know, looking at the front sight or looking at the newspaper, you got to have it with your arms always stretched out. Yeah. Uh, your red dot should be your first choice as far as sights go on a, on a defensive pistol. And I, and I would also say that if you're buying a gun with the intent that you want to use it to train up other folks in your tribe, you should seriously consider putting a dot optic on that gun as well just to teach new shooters. Whether that's a centerfire uh, caliber gun or whether it's a rimfire caliber gun as a training tool, even if you're not going to have that person running the dot on their gun, I still think it's a great way to start off and get folks moving forward. So, um, so again, you know, under the heading of things, you know, things heard from behind the counter. Um, if, if you're, if you've got a buddy or a friend or a relative telling you that, you know, they want a laser on their gun, let's talk about the beams. Um, it, it is, we, we get, a, we've gotten a lot of folks in here in the store in the last month and a half, um, that aren't traditional customers for us. Um, they're not necessarily, you know, gun guys. Um, or, or they've got really, really, really bad rabbis around their guns, um, telling them, giving them bad advice. Um, the beams, a laser on your gun is an interesting tool that is not without use. Um, it's just with probably significantly more limited use than most folks appreciate. If you own night vision devices, you should absolutely have an IR laser on your gun. It is a if phenomenal it, yeah, tool. If it's a long gun... Um, if it's a handgun, put a red dot on it, and you're probably even better off. Either way, I'm just saying, if you if you have night vision, a laser, an IR laser on your gun, one way or another is probably not a bad thing. Um, if you don't own night vision, and the only thing you're going to put on a gun or you think a laser is a be-all, end-all, here are some things to consider. In the daylight, um, even a green laser is not necessarily super visible beyond about 15 feet. Uh, if you're out in bright daylight... If you're in mixed lighting or under movement, you've got to be able to place that dot on the target while the target's moving. While and, you're moving. And yeah, in some manner that you can visually reference it, which standing in your basement with the lights turned off, um, you know, having a, a target at the far end of the room lit up, you know, so that you can see it, you know, but it's just not realistic. Um, 
trying to find the dot on the target, uh, the fact that it puts out a red dot on you that you're holding right in front of your chest or right in front of your head that the bad guy can see. Um, and a lot of folks have this idea too that, oh, when that little dot hits the bad guy, it's like in the movies, they'll try and brush it off and then they'll, you'll hear all their guns clatter to the ground. Um, the reality check is most people won't realize that you're putting a dot on them. And you know, the whole flash the laser across their eyes thing. Well, if that person's drunk, high, enraged, or, you know, emotionally, um, unstable, unstable, or, you know, or well, I'll just say it crazy. If that person is batshit crazy, um, they may not know that you're putting a laser in their eyes and that it's supposed to blind them or distract them. So they may not play along. Um, the bad guy gets a vote. Um, the, the laser is just not anywhere near as effective of a tool. Now let's talk about being in the dark. Um, how do you get target ID on somebody by putting a dot on them? When you can't even see them, you can't put the dot on them. And then even if you got lucky and did, it still wouldn't help you ID that target as to whether or not you're allowed to shoot it. So lasers are not quite useless, but they're in the same zip code. Yeah, the only time that, honestly, a laser might be useful in a home defense situation on a pistol is if you have a bunch of cats, um, because your cats will probably attack whatever you put the Ah, uh, you could direct fire. You could direct yes. claws. Yes. Claw See? With your cats. You could satisfy your inner cravings to be a joint combat air controller, <laughs> um, or joint tactical air controller, and, and vector your cats onto the target with your laser, I with the beams. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. God love you. Um, so, uh, we'll quit beating on you guys. Now, a laser in conjunction with a white light, if, if they're, if they're in the same device and the switchology doesn't make it stupid difficult to use, sure, that's fine, whatever. Um, the example that comes to mind, uh, Streamlight TLR3s, um, they make with and without lasers. Um, the same laser... TLR8. Yeah, and they, so they're, you know, if, if, if the lighting system comes to the laser and you want to leave it on, it's not really going to hurt anything, so why not? That's fine. Um, as long as it co-switches and co-aligns with the light, then you're good to go. Um, you, you may get something out of it at some point, but probably not. So Yeah, the other thing to talk about with lasers is that the zero uh, on the laser is very, very important. Um, the laser should always run parallel to the bore of the gun, um, so that you're, which means you're going to have some offset um, on pretty much anything you run a laser on. Um, and the reason that this is important is because if you zero the laser to have point of aim, point of impact at a particular distance, once you're past that distance, um, you are going to have increasingly um, diverging paths between the bullet and the laser. Meaning the bullet will hit further from where the laser dot is. In case you don't know what diverging means, because that's yeah. a big word for me. So Sorry. I just Googled that. Um, so yeah, so yeah, like I said, it, the, the laser has some critical points to it. It's not completely useless. There are some things to know about it if you're going to use one. Um, but in general, you're way better off with a light if you feel like you need to slap something on your gun. So, Do you want to talk about our tribe member who actually took the time to get good with the laser? Um, yeah, we actually have a gentleman who shoots with us who I think probably view, due to vision issues, um, along a, a, a co-aligned with aging, um, you know, we, we have nicknamed, um, comrade laser, comrade laser, because he started putting lasers on everything. Um, he struggled immensely with chasing the dot, uh, while snatching the trigger, um, probably for the first year or two running lasers. I don't know that he ever went necessarily sought any training from somebody who was like a laser expert or something like that. Um, and I don't know if that even exists. Um, but struggled, you know, off and on for a couple of years trying to chase that down and make it work. And then finally got to a point where 
he started going back to muscle memory, chasing the front sight, and hey, gosh, look at that. There's a laser there. Um, and, and then was able to use that to great effect. Um, also bearing in mind, he's running a laser oftentimes in conjunction with a white light um, and is somebody who, who has a phenomenal baseline of shooting experience and training, somebody who is a lifelong martial artist and, and honestly a pretty damn good athlete, um, you know, was able to make it work, but after a significant period of time of distraction and probably frustration. Um, not to say you couldn't shorten that curve, um, but, you know, just something to consider. Yeah, and that was a year and a half of shooting uh, handguns with lasers on them for two to an hour and a half to two hours every two weeks um, year round. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, you could probably shorten the curve with training. Um, you know, maybe that would have been the case here. I'm not sure. But, you know, he, he uses them now very, very well. But, man, the curve, the train up on it was, was pretty ridiculous. And I'm not sure that he couldn't get a very similar result today if he turned the laser off and just ran the sights on the gun. Yeah. So, you know, competent shooter's a competent shooter. So, um, anything else on lasers, sights, etc.? cetera? Uh, yeah, lasers are fun for, for again, if they're a, you can make cats do barrel racing patterns on your floor. See? Um, with the laser. Otherwise, just skip the beams. Yep. Um, so something else has popped up a number of times. We've had folks come in, and a number of the smaller, more expensive guns uh, that, are, that are super popular right now from folks who really don't have an idea of what they're buying um, is, is, you know, does this, have a, does this have an extra magazine in it in case I need to reload it? Um, brah, it's a Ruger LCP. You're probably not going to get to a reload. It's seven shots to shoot someone in the face with and run away. Um, but, but those same folks want the extra magazine, but, but don't need a holster. Um, if you're buying a gun, um, right now for defensive firearms use, whether it's for the home or whether it's for you to carry around out in the world with your concealed carry permit, you might seriously seriously consider trying to chase down a good holster for them um it's a good storage device for the holster that keeps the trigger guard covered up it doesn't keep it away from unauthorized individuals like children or your drunk buddy um but it will keep you from accidentally grabbing the gun with your finger on the trigger if you don't know its orientation in the dark or when you're disoriented um but anyway a lot of folks don't they, they ah, i don't need no holster i just need an extra magazine and some bullets um also seen a lot of folks new to guns that have bought a gun from us and come walking in three days later with said gun sticking out of their front pocket of their jeans um because that's how they're carrying it because that's how you do it in the hood i guess i don't know or wherever it is they're from um so please, like don't, please don't please don't yeah don't, don't don't do this um so anyway, yeah, um, if you, you know, if you got a gun, if you got a handgun, you, you really do need a holster for it, even if you're not going to do concealed carry, um, you know, uh, along with probably some other way to secure it from unauthorized use. Pretty much every handgun sold in the U.S. right now via a gun store has to come with a lock. Um, you know, if you didn't get a lock with your gun, wherever you bought it, um, get in touch with us. We've got some here. We'll get one in your hands. Yeah, uh, on a modern defensive firearm, especially a striker fired pistol, the holster is the mechanical safety for the gun uh, because it keeps you from putting anything inside the trigger guard. Yep. Uh, on long guns, they come with mechanical safeties because they're carried slung and gear, brush, um, kitchen implements, you know, whatever could get inside that trigger guard while you have it out in the real world. Uh, with a defensive pistol, you know, generally we there should be kept holstered on your person um, until you feel the need. Um, to use them to to engage a threat that is a credible, yeah, a credible threat to your life. Yep. 
so you know the holster thing is uh you know like i said you you, you do need one whether you realize it or not um brian touched on safeties uh we're going to touch on safeties here real quick um from a data point perspective and a real world perspective 60 some percent of law enforcement across the u.s right now carries a firearm that says glock on the side None of them have manual safeties on them unless they were aftermarket added devices, which is generally a horrible idea. Um, so do you need a safety on your gun? Your safety is generally between your ears and following the four rules. Um, all guns are always loaded. Never let the muzzle cover anything you don't want to destroy. Keep your finger off the trigger and be sure you're targeting what's beyond, right? Um, the, the, the safety is in your brain between your ears. Um, the, the mechanical safety is the holster and you not putting your finger on the trigger. Um, but your, you know, modern striker fire defensive handguns do not need safeties. Um, they need trained up competent users. Um, if you have a gun that has a safety on it, that's fine, but learn how to use it. Don't let it be something that gets in the way. Don't let your safety be what gets you killed because you can't engage a bad guy because you never learned how to turn it off properly. Conversely, don't let your safety be the device that you use as a crutch and you walk around with your finger on the trigger on the range when you shouldn't. Um, and then when you are, are finally have to engage a bad guy and you don't take your finger off the trigger um, and the safety stays off and you accidentally send another round somewhere it's not supposed to, you're still liable for that round. So then you end up in jail or in trouble for that. So it's not, a, it's not good, bad, or indifferent. It just is, and you have to train to it. So if you're going to have a safety on your gun, learn how to use it. But if it's a modern striker-fired gun, it probably doesn't need it. And I swear to God, the next person who walks in here and says, I need a safety on my gun in case my kids get a hold of it. I'm probably going to beat you to death with whatever I have in my hand. Um, that might be a donut, so it'll be messy. Um, the, the safety is not going to keep your child from accidentally harming themselves or someone else with a gun. That's not what it's for. Please, dear God in heaven, stop letting that be part of your decision-making process. I'll step uh, off my soapbox before I fall off. I'll <laughs> uh, talk about lights. We can't. Oh, I'm sorry. One last yeah. thing on safeties. Cocked and locked guns need safeties. That's cool. They're there to make it drop safe. Yeah, cocked and locked need, guns need safeties. That That's fine. Um decocker guns the decocker is not a safety even if smith and wesson called it a safety for years they were wrong it's a decocker um cool uh flashlights yeah. is that we're talking about flashlights yeah. for guns yeah yeah specifically um buy the brightest one you can that you can attach to your gun that will actually stay on your gun that is actually end user friendly meaning you can make the switches work under duress um put it on your gun and leave it there um, and then train with it as often as you possibly can. Uh, flashlights on guns will keep you from shooting somebody that doesn't need shot. Uh, flashlights on guns will allow you to identify who does need shot. Um, and it's a phenomenal force multiplier from a standpoint of giving you time and space to blind the bad guy temporarily while you determine if he's actually a bad guy or not. Um, I'm not going to say flashlights on guns are an absolute must or that they're absolutely critical, but it is a phenomenal adjunct to the gun if you practice and train with it. It's, it's a great, great tool. Yeah, the other big thing, um, you know, in a low light situation, because we do, as civilians, we do need to fully identify the target before we engage it. Uh, it allows us to run the gun, the pistol with two hands, um, versus having to use a handheld light and then run the pistol with one hand. Um, having done, recently done a bunch of one-handed shooting, uh, you know, we can get it done. Uh, it takes a lot more effort. It takes a lot more mental processing power. To shoot accurate pistol shots with one hand, uh, none of us uh, are as efficient or as fast 
doing that. Um, having a light on the gun lets you run the gun with two hands, um, which is generally how people are practicing anyways. Yep. Uh, so it becomes a just you know flick the light on, keep it on, do what you got to do from a work perspective, and then when you're done, you can turn that light back off. Or if you don't perceive there to be any other threats than the one you've engaged, keep the light on that threat. Um, you know, there's a certain reality check as a civilian too that I'm not necessarily trying to be sneaky once I've gone loud. Um, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm not being a bullet magnet for the bad guy's buddies once they figure out I just smoked their friend. Um, so yeah, flashlights on guns are a really good thing. Flashlights on your person are super, super handy and give you a backup to that. Um, flashlights on guns, especially used inside of structures. Uh, everybody's like, oh, well, if you put the flashlight on the gun, then you're pointing the gun at everybody. No, you're not. You don't have to. Um, this is not an example of the law enforcement officer who's given a flashlight for his handgun and then uses it to check IDs when he pulls people over. Um, if you're trained how to use the gun properly, you can literally point the gun at the ceiling through a doorway. In most residential rooms, they have lighter colored ceilings, and you can light up an entire room with a modern defensive handgun, um, with a modern defensive flashlight, handgun light. Um, putting out, you know, 500 or 1,000 lumens, bouncing off a white ceiling, lights up everything in that room almost like daylight, if not better. Um, so, you know, again, there's a training curve. Learn how to use it, but it's a phenomenal tool. Yeah, the lights we recommend are the Surefire the X300 Ultra, um, the Streamlight, the TLR1HL, or the Streamlight TLR7A, especially if you find the A model. Yeah, yeah, the TLR7 is a good light with quirky switching. The TLR7A, it looks like they fixed the switching um, to make it a little more user friendly and a little similar, a little more similar to its peers in the industry. Um, I, I, I will say that the 7A is a brand new light, so I want to make sure that that switching is is weatherproof and durable in the long term. That will that will see. But Streamlight's always been pretty good about coming to market with a solid product that's ready, and and then and then if it's not fixing it, they have phenomenal customer service. Um, so, but yeah. So there are definitely some options out there. Uh, bear in mind also, if you carry the gun, you will need to chase down a new holster. Um, those are available as well. You know, talk to us about that. There's there's some good options for guns with lights on them. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so there is is that the end of the from behind the counter new people buying guns rant? Um, start saving your pennies now. January of 2021 will yield a veritable cornucopia of well-priced, never-fired used guns. Because I can guarantee you that once all the squishes are done crying in their beer because Trump whooped whoever's butt again, um, they'll be unloading all those icky guns that their wife doesn't want in the top of the closet. So um, if, if that's the situation, you know, save up your pennies and be ready to buy those because we sure are. Um, and beyond that, you know, gear up. It's time. Yeah. Um, on that note, you can find us on social media as long as they let us stick around. Um, search us for at Cap City Outfitters. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, sign up for our email. Um, you can go to our website and do that. It should pop up a little form for it. Or send us an email at info at Cap City Outfitters and we will, .com, and we will add you to the thing. Um, you can vis visit us on the web um, at CapCityOutfitters.com. Um, information on how to buy a suppressor and transfers is listed on our website. Uh, and then lastly, stop in and see us. Um, we are open 10 to 5 um, going forward due to the COVID thing. Um, that's Tuesday through Saturday. Um, there's no appointment needed, although we are limiting it to four people in the store at a time. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you soon.